0: Welcome to the Hyper Guy Motivational Podcast. I am so, so lucky to have a part two with Mr. Steve Maxwell, the fitness trainer uh, extraordinaire and guru and jujitsu idol of mine. So I want to <laughs> thank you for coming back for, for part two because last week I was like, please, because I know you're very, very busy and your assistant Teresa was great because she says, no, he'll come back and I was jumping for joy. So thank you for coming back.
1: You know what they say about Gurus, right? Uh-oh. Think, think about the word guru. Spell it: G U R U.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it! I love it. Well, I want to continue. Everyone's
1: on. their own guru.
0: Well, I want. I'm going to tell you this. I want to continue on because um there were so many interesting things you interesting things you covered. I I have so many other follow-up questions for you. So we we stopped You stopped at talking about. I know you were training with some of the, um, like you said, some of the um, professional Russian athletes. And you were saying after you did some research, you realized that um, that it just wasn't true with some of the stuff they were pushing. Like, how did that happen? And like, kind of, how did you find that out? And did you kind of, was there anything they were giving you in terms of techniques that you took away from it? Or you just said, you know, what's going
1: on with this? Well, what happened... You Know as you know, the, la- the last podcast, I went over my background, right? Starting mm-hmm. in the you know 60s and 70s, and uh, with the typical training routines of the 60s, and uh, went into the high intensity training uh, method with the old Nautilus equipment, and was great. Had a very successful high intensity training gym uh, through the 80s and uh, 90s, but uh. I started getting bored and looking for other things like a midlife crisis and got into the kettlebells, the club swinging, a lot of the traditional training methodologies used by grapplers, you know, over the aeons. And at first, you know, I loved it. I mean, I, I seem to thrive on that because I have a pretty tough body. Never had the genetics for big G whiz muscles, but I, I certainly had a tough structure Served me well, and uh, yeah, I had plenty of injuries in wrestling and, and jiu jujitsu. But uh, later, I discovered that some of these injuries were probably being caused by my training, because proper training should prevent injuries, not cause. And I, as I went along, I began to question just how good this stuff is for the joints. You know, I was really into kettlebells. I mean, I I was like one of the certified Russian kettlebell instruction from the old RKC. And, you know, I was very big into, you know, things like turkey's get-ups and swings and snatches and long cycle and, you know, club bells. And I loved all that training, but it didn't love me. And what I was discovering was more and more people were beginning to get these overuse injuries. Each workout was like like an insult to the body, subacute injuries. Nothing acute, but subacute like a little micro trauma every single time. And that starts to erode joint health every time. Now, I'm not bashing people that do kettlebells. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they don't work. Plenty of people have got strong and lean and muscular using kettlebells. What I'm saying is just because someone uses a particular method of training with success, Doesn't mean that they couldn't have got better, safer, quicker results doing something else. But the key word is safety. Safety. And I saw many people that started out with me in the early kettlebell movement of the U.S. Uh, They they got themselves pretty messed up. Hip replacements, you know, uh, lower back issues, surgeries and such. So I went back to using slow, high-tension training, mostly body weight. And I also got deep into isometrics. And part of this was influenced by my – I'm always a student, (laughs) always learning. Uh, I traveled to Russia eight times. I was very – right now it's not popular to talk too much about Russia, you know. But, uh, hey, they're good people. You know, they're just like us, you know they have you know good and bad leaders and uh, but as a, as a people they're wonderful I, I really like the culture and so forth maybe not the uh, the, the current situation but uh, so I had to preface that right now there's a lot of Russian bashing going on and you know there, there's there's people just like you and me living there just trying to have a good life but at any rate uh, I, I noticed that uh, a lot of the Russian martial arts guys were not doing kettlebells. Uh, the military guys were not doing kettlebells. I had a, ch- a chance to train, uh, get deep into Sistema. Uh, I know BJJ guys loves to rip on Sistema, but uh, it, it's actually quite effective martial art when you do it at the higher levels. And some of their weapons defenses are really tremendous. And these guys were training themselves with uh, slow, high-tension exercises and isometrics. And I thought, hmm, that's pretty interesting. That kind of goes along with what I was discovering at the same time. And so I, I went pretty back, uh, much back to basically super slow and uh, time-static contraction exercise. And my, my body feels so much better for it. Well, then, let me and, ask
0: you, that, yeah. that's, what, that's one of the questions I have for you. Well, two questions, actually. <laughs> one is, I love that you always talk about you're a lifelong learner and it seems like throughout your career, you always have evolved, Steve. You've, you never stop learning. You're always evolving and kind of like critiquing yourself and saying, what can I do better with my body? And so where does that lifelong zeal for learning come from? And that's question one. And number two, I guess, is, um, when you talk about mobility exercise, can you explain what that is for people and, and, is body weight exercise good
1: for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, now I'm not talking about doing stunts and feats, you know, like uh, the calisthenics type stuff, which is fine for, you know, young guys, but many of the things that, um, calisthenics is like this movement where they work out in parks outside. And uh, a lot of times they're doing stunts or feats of strength. And you see some pretty amazing stuff, you know? strength to weight ratio what i'm talking about is general training chin-ups pull-ups dips push-ups body weight squats uh you know back extension uh various abdominal exercises you know exercises for your calves fingers toes neck your you know your entire torso that type of stuff when i talk about
0: what does that do for you steve like in terms of like I know like I said you have a whole extensive uh, website that has the videos and the exercise and stuff have you have you found that the exercise the body weight exercise you've done isometrics has it really really helped your body in terms of mobility and I know you always talk about a- looking
1: absolutely guys long- going through you know a range of motion absolutely increases your ability to move mobility basically is movement through full range with strength for example a lot of adults, can no longer squat butt to the floor without their heels lifting. A lot of people have much difficulty doing flat foot squats, especially guys my age, you know, I'll be 70 in a couple months. And I notice a lot of my peers can't get down. Uh, a lot of people have trouble getting up and down off the floor. Uh, that's all about mobility, moving with strength full through full range. So I, you know, also like, for example, uh, a net mobility, since, you know, you can see me from the neck up, would be this movement here, this type of movement. A lot of people can't do that, they'll do this, but they can't do that, you know. So this is an example,
0: So so range of motion through various ranges.
1: You don't want to be missing any range of motion. So I'll do exercises like that. I, I do like a whole routine every morning you know, like fingers. A lot of people get arthritis in their fingers, you know, like finger waves, you know, just to loosen up. You don't need to do thousands of reps. However, if you have a damaged joint, you can do reps into the hundreds to basically break up calcium deposits that are formed in the joints. Some people call them joint salts. So I have a whole routine of, you know, moving my elbows and my shoulders uh as a as, a, as a, every morning when I wake up let, some let of them are like Qigong, you know come from a Chinese uh there's a lot of different Qigongs, kongs by the way q i g Q-I-G-O-N-G. o n g Qigong. And, and what
0: and what does that do uh
1: it, it opens up you have energy pathways through the body and it helps open up those energy pathways they're like little filaments running from You know, down. So there's various breathing exercises and energetic exercises that you can do, uh, as well as the actual mechanical mobility drills, and that's like a daily regimen.
0: So let me ask you, Steve. Okay, so this is the oh, but you
1: you did ask a question. Is body weight training good for you? Your body doesn't know whether it's lifting a machine, whether it's lifting a barbell, a dumbbell. Your body. It's all about working against resistance. Doesn't matter where that resistance comes from. And your body weight is the most convenient form of resistance because you never need a gym. All you really need is something to pull up on. And you can even get around that if you're clever. You know, I've opened up doors and put a wedge underneath the end, end of the door like a little shim and put a washcloth on top of the door And I'd pull myself up and down an open door, you know, when I didn't have a pull-up bar. So, you know, if you're clever, you can figure out ways to work out your body. Even if you're in a jail cell, you should get a great workout. And that was really, really good thing, good knowledge to have during the so-called pandemic when everything was shut down, all the gyms and, you know, BJJ schools. And I was able to keep myself and my clients my online clients in great physical condition during the whole thing. Some people actually uh, got even better results working in the privacy of their own home. You know, sometimes these gyms can be very distracting with the loud music and the mirrors. And, you know, it's, you know, you, you see people doing all sorts of crazy stuff to attract attention to themselves and it can be distracting from your own workout. So, A lot of people like working out at home, but they don't have either the room or the budget to buy a lot of expensive equipment, but you don't need it. With simple isometrics and your body weight, you can really work yourself uh, out very, very effectively, uh, very safely, and get good results.
0: And and what is your diet like, Steve? I mean, I I know you are like this, uh, you are in great, great shape. I don't think I've ever seen you not in great shape. Do you also take a really special attention to your diet as well?
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, meticulous. Uh, I, I follow this diet by this Dr. Paul Eck. Uh, it's called the development diet. Uh, before that, I was working with this guy, Dr. John Chilton, a turn of the century American physician who, uh, wrote some really awesome books that are still available called, uh, Toxemia Explained, explain. And, uh, but recently I've said more into the, this uh, pollack. It, it, it's all about uh, helping your body uh, get rid of toxic minerals, which we're all subject to, you know, because of the amount of pollution and the, the, the foods that we eat. And uh, it's primarily uh, protein foods from animal sources, uh, eggs, sardines. Uh, sardines are extremely uh, valuable protein source. Because of the sulfur amino acids. Uh, uh, Grass fed beef once a week, Uh, organic chicken, uh, some turkey, Uh, venison if I can get it. Uh, Around here where I live, hunters take, you know, uh, bring the meat to uh, various stores so you can buy venison. Uh, I will drink raw milk kefir a couple times a week. very uh, eggs, uh, once, twice a week, as my primary protein source, and some goat cheese. And then along with that, I have basically every day 18 cooked vegetables, mostly root vegetables, uh, onions. I stopped all fruit. Uh, the, uh, most of fruit in the US has been ruined by herbicides, pesticides, chemical fertilizers, acid rain, Uh, It's hard to get fruit that hasn't been uh, tainted. So I I, I really, the only fruit I eat are green beans, which is classified botanically as a fruit, and some olives, a couple olives a week. But uh, mostly cooked vegetables and protein foods, and uh, some blue corn. Blue corn is extremely high in selenium. So I will have blue corn porridge, and I will have... uh, occasionally uh rye or uh amaranth or hey, uh quinoa
0: and see, let me ask you this how do you uh, stay, oh,
1: still cut out
0: how how do you stay so motivated you you never stop i mean you i mean what is your daily what is your daily regimen like every day because you probably work out like do you work out a couple hours a day I mean you're just so directed no, all the time. no
1: no no not, not at all I mean I don't work out my workouts my strength workouts are about 15 20 minutes and boy they are a butt kicker man Woo, and they're just as cardio as any sprint work you'll ever do you know your body doesn't know the difference between running a sprint or doing a set of push-ups to absolute utter muscular failure or try doing bodyweight squats uh, 10 seconds up, 10 seconds down, and not going in the top third. Wow. That'll get your heart pumping. Uh, and I walk every day. And I, I, I use it as a moving meditation where I'm literally pulling energy down through my body as I walk. So I use it as a moving meditation. And uh, the walks are usually 40 minutes to an hour. and But I'm not motivated. I think motivation is highly overrated. Motivation wanes. I'm disciplined. Discipline is the key. You discipline yourself and you follow a discipline. And discipline carries you through even when you're not motivated. This morning I didn't feel very motivated. I almost felt like, I wanted to skip the whole routine this morning because I felt tired because I worked out really hard yesterday. But because of my discipline, I carried the, the day, because I've, I've established these habits, these good habits. Habits can be bad. Habits can be good. You know, you want to try to get rid of and eliminate your bad habits with good habits. And for example, uh, I use this technique called, uh, I, I, I learned it from uh, my Russian friends. Uh, I don't know why. I must have a soul of a Russian because I'm very uh, intrigued by their martial arts and by them as a people. Very tough people, you know. And uh, Slavs in general, you know. I've been to the Ukraine. I I studied with the Ukrainian Systema Master. I actually got certified from this guy. So, uh, you know, I I know the Slavic people. They're all Slavs. You know, the Polish people, same, you know. Very... uh, uh, they have health uh, health system, old ancient health system. One of it is dowsing with cold water every morning and every night before bed. It's a five gallon bucket and I fill it with ice water. And believe me, here in Port Townsend, Washington, on the Olympic Peninsula, that water is dang cold.
0: <laughs> so do you do you, do you And, and do it's you re- like a
1: battle. It's a battle. Do, I didn't do want you, to do it.
0: Do and you so, recommend do you recommend I, cold
1: showers then? I mean people are oh, always yeah. tell me. About- I think cold water has a lot of therapeutic benefit. Now, I wouldn't recommend people just go out willy-nilly and start doing it now. You know, wait till the hot months of summer and then build up slowly. And, you know, most people where they live, their water isn't very cold during the summer anyway. It stays freezing here, even in mid-August. The water from underground will be really freezing here. It's always cold, but it's always a battle, you know, to do this discipline, uh, pouring this water of my body has tremendous benefit, but uh, energetically and every other way. And, but it's always a battle. I never look forward to it. I always want to skip it. I mean, there was a couple of days where it was like 18 degrees outside, 22, you know, uh, there'd be snow all over, uh, you know, I'd step out there in my bare feet complete buck-ass naked, there's no one around, you know, and i pour that damn water over me. Woo! Very invigorating, but I'm always happy when I'm done. So, okay. that's what I mean by discipline. You know, you've got to battle that ego, that little me, the little I, the one that wants to say, ah, oh, you don't need to do it today, or oh, it's okay if you had that ice cream, or, you know, that chocolate bar, or, you know, I don't really need to take my walk. That's that little egoic Mind that you got to learn to control. And
0: how, 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 What do you recommend for people in terms of like if they want to start a, a exercise uh, regimen? For one, and number two is how do you stay so? How do you stay disciplined, or how do you develop discipline, like good discipline habits?
1: Well, you know, I had a really good role model. My father was an amazing, disciplined guy. He never overate. Uh, he would eat three square meals, no snacks. Uh, he would get up and he would run every single morning when he moved to Florida, when he retired, he would get up like as early as uh three thirty, four o'clock to avoid traffic in the heat of the day to go out and do his runs. He loved running. It was his sport, his recreation, you know, he'd go to the gym and uh, uh, do some weight training and uh, yeah, very disciplined guy. So I, I kind of, think I had a good role model in that way. And, I can remember him saying, even when I was a really little kid, man, I can't wait to get up in the morning and go to work. And I thought, wow, how amazing is that? I would hear my other friends, their dads complaining about, oh my God, you know, the weekend's over, Monday, or thank God it's Friday. That was never my dad. I can't wait to get up in the morning to go to work. And I said, even when I was a very young child, I'm going to find something to be excited about that I really love so that I too can get up every morning and say, I can't wait to start my day or I can't wait to, you know, to go to work. So I guess it got instilled as a child and that is a discipline in itself.
0: And what what about, what would you suggest if somebody could only do, or if they're just starting out, they haven't worked out in a while or they said, you know what, I don't have much time to do a workout because I'm so busy. What is a one or two good exercise that somebody can always do to stay in shape?
1: Well, for one thing, uh, people just getting back. And it, uh, it depends on a of factors, uh, age, uh, body weight, how much, you know, if, if they're really uh, obese, carrying a lot of extra body fat, they gotta be careful. Um, there's a couple of different ways they can go. They could go to a professional such as myself to get started, or they could go to a gym. Although I'm hesitant to say that because so many gyms do such crazy nonsense these days. Especially avoid, you know, uh, ballistic type movements where you're throwing and heaving weights around, you know, that type of stuff. Everyone can do isometrics. I work out my 85-year-old mother-in-law with isometric training. Uh, She fell and broke her wrist. I, I rehabbed her and trained her the entire time. And if you only had, let, let's say, three simple exercises, one would be just to do a wall sit with your back against the wall. You can look it up online. It's called a wall seat, or some people call it wall sit, and hold it for time. Make sure if you're elderly uh, that you put a little footstool under your butt so that when your legs begin to get out, you can just slide down the wall and sit down. Uh, another one would be just to get on your hands and knees and get into a push-up plank and hold it for time. And as your arms begin to fatigue, slowly lower down to the floor. Uh, Another one would be the classic elbow plank. Now, a lot of elders aren't able to hold it on their toes and elbows, but they can hold it on their knees and elbows. Very important to not make your back uh, arch, but to keep your back rounded. You know, uh, like tucking your, rolling your pelvis underneath you. I call it the bad dog, you know, like a bad dog tucking his tail to engage the abs. And then another one would be simply laying on the floor in a push-up position with your feet pushed into the floor. Lift your hands off the floor and arch the back. Bring your chest off the floor and hold that for time. Those movements would hit just virtually every muscle group in your body. And it wouldn't take you much more than, you know, Five to seven minutes to do those. You wouldn't do them every day. I'd recommend every other day.
0: And what about cardio? What about cardio?
1: Another alternative, uh, I would recommend everyone look up online the five rites of Tibetan yoga. Now, I'm not pushing a religion, you know, Uh, it it does come from a Buddhist discipline, but that has nothing to do with the effect on your body. Uh, The five rites are magical in the way that they can help uh slow down or even reverse the aging process they're they're long revered they've been used by you know millions of people very uh, effectively sorry the stool <laughs> i'm not used to not used to sitting so long uh, so uh, you, me... even when i do zoom sessions and i'm not moving around, you <laughs> so let
0: me, let me ask you this you started you you're one of the most and I know you don't like to hear this, but you're one of the most famous trainers in the world. And I know that you went on a, you go on these little sojourns basically where you just travel the world and you just grab your bag and you just leave. Um, and I guess there's always this thing where um, it's, it's almost mythical proportions now. They say, well, Steve has all of his worldly belongings in one bag.
1: Uh, well, that was then.
0: Yeah, so, uh, so how did Right, how,
1: right about uh, the early 2000s
0: so uh, how did you, how did that happen i, I, mean, how, I had how,
1: the first jujitsu gym in mm-hmm. the u.s right very successful i also had a very successful personal training gym it was called max it was before anybody else on the east coast and i was the first gracie uh affiliate, affiliate uh anywhere basically my gym Maxercise. so i had wore two hats jujitsu upstairs young guys mostly uh Elders, uh, but, you know, young, some athletes uh, training with me downstairs. And then in between, I started the kettlebell thing, you know, classes and such. But at any rate, uh, we ha- the building got condemned. I know. It was a building, in <laughs> Center City belly that the inspectors condemned the building. So my landlord decided he was going to rehab it, which means we had to move all our stuff out. And find a temporary space while they were doing this rehabilitation, which uh, they believed would take over a year. Ended up being almost a year and a half. And the stress was unbelievable. And that killed my marriage. There have been some stuff going on. You know, sometimes when you marry someone that is too much like yourself, it doesn't work out so well. So I, I get divorced. I moved out of the house. I had an offer from a baseball player out in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, to be his personal trainer. It's a guy I knew. I worked when uh, he was with the Phillies in Philadelphia. So I said, you know what? I need a fresh start, man, you know? In the, in, in the meantime, uh, we got rid of the business. I, I uh, We sold it to uh, one of my longtime clients and students and I literally gave my jiu-jitsu business to a young guy by the name of Hedges Labor. Hedges is making huge. It looks like Regis. It's pronounced Hedges. R-E-G-I-S. He's making huge waves right now. He's winning. Oh, man, he won Pan Ams. He won Worlds. He won Europeans. I mean, this guy's killing it on the, on the tournament circuit right now. He was my partner in Philly. I brought him up from Rio. So, I decided I'm going to leave. So I moved into a camper van and went out to Arizona and I lived in the camper van for three and a half years. Pretty much just got rid of all myself. And, you know, I I really liked the van lifestyle. There was actually a movie recently uh, about, you know, van life. There's a whole subculture here in the U.S. of people living in camper vans. (laughs) But uh, I started traveling and uh, I, I used to do a lot of seminars with the Gracies and also with the RKC. So I already had an audience. And uh, I realized knowledge is power. And I started getting requests to come and do the teach here, teach there. So I would park my van. I would go away sometimes for a few weeks, come back to the van. But, uh, you know, you just can't leave a valuable vehicle like that. It was like a Mercedes work van that had been retrofitted with uh, by Westphalia. It was really tricked out really cool van. But, uh, you know, I, I was worried that like, well, it, it's known that vehicles is just a parked, you know, mice and stuff get in there, eat the wiring. I mean, I, I was worried it was just going to deteriorate. So I sold it. And then I was completely no home, almost got it. And, uh, my first trip, I had this huge 65 liter roller bag, man, After changing trains three times, a flight, I said, screw this. I have too much crap, man. And the roller bag on cobblestones and going upstairs, it was like, what am I thinking? So I got rid of half my stuff right in the hotel room and just got rid of it right there. The good stuff I gave to a couple of friends I knew, this is in London. I went down to uh, this camping store and bought a, a nice travel backpack. And I got it down to one bag. And I even went from that bag to an even smaller bag. Because I realized, how many pair of pants can you wear, you know? I'm really into tech clothes. Stuff you can wash in the sink and quick dry. So, you know, the amazing stretch nylon fabrics that they have now. And the polyester and such made out of recycled bottles. So I got it down to where I only needed a few t-shirts and a couple pants. I don't dress up suits or ties or anything, and I literally was going from place to place, stay two weeks here, month there, you know, 10 how many co- here.
0: How many countries have you been to, see?
1: Wow, a lot. I never counted it, but a lot. All over Scandinavia, including Iceland, many times in Iceland. Uh, Canada, of course, Mexico, of course, uh, Central America, uh, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, uh, what's the other one down there? Man, I'm having a mind. Uh, like three countries: uh, Brazil, uh, then all you, of How was your Brazil uh, Russia, trip? China, uh, Vietnam? How was your Brazil Hong trip? Kong.
0: How was your Brazil trip? Because you had done jiu-jitsu for long, I'm sure you have a lot of friends out there. How was your Brazil trip?
1: Not as many as you think. Uh, when I had my school, I was doing most of my travel to Brazil uh I, I went down about 13 times i guess i stayed with elio gracie and his farm in terrazopolis a couple months that was really cool
0: oh you have which, to tell which, me really you months. have to tell me about that how how was your experience with elio gracie uh, and, maybe, and, maybe, and maybe you can tell people who who the gracies are because sometimes people don't know who the gracie family is
1: well yeah that's a story in and of itself man but I'll, I'll finish up the nomad thing. So I, 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 I re- got a nomadic resist, uh, existence for, I don't know, I'm 14 years, I guess. And, uh, you know, I had a fake address because try getting a credit card without an address. You know, so I had a fake address in California. It was a UPS box, basically. And how I got away with it I don't know, because now I tried to get another fake address later. Uh, <laughs> but they they were on to the UPS. Later, so I, I don't know. It worked, and then I, I did get another fake address in Hawaii for a while when I was in Maui, so that's that way I was able to have a driver's license, you know. I always kept my passport up to date. I did the uh, the uh, the preferred traveler program, you know, where I had Nexus. I had uh, I forget what they called it, you know, where you can just walk right to the head of the line.
0: Uh, global Entry.
1: Global Entry. I go mm-hmm. You know, I had a, a FBI check. And you know, so I, I was good to go. I, I had the same thing to go into England and Germany. I went through their police interview so and, all Steve, that. Steve, you, and So Steve, you, so I, I was able to just go through. And you and the, Steve,
0: you were, and this was all tra- training people with mobility stuff in jujitsu all over the world. I was basically. doing seminars.
1: People would host me. I'd go to their host city, and then I would teach. You know, a day, two days, sometimes longer, and these seminars would. Sometimes have a few people, sometimes a lot of people. You know, I had seminars with as little as ten people. I had seminars with as many. Well, the biggest one was almost four hundred people in Germany. So you know, all different levels. You know, different stuff that I was into at the time. And, and People like to host me, and then I would just live there, and then I would go by train or plane. I, I started really digging European trains, by the way. It's a really very nice, wedge of trends, But in 2020, just before 2020, towards the end of 2019, I was going to do a trip to Alaska. And I was warned that something big was going to happen in 2020. My astrologer, who I've been definitely made fun of a few times by people that don't, you know, not into this kind of thing. But this guy's been good for me. And his name's Robert coach and his website's called Star Center. If anyone wants to check it out, anyway, he warned Teresa and I, hey, "Get off the road, hole up somewhere. It's going to be a serious issue, and it's not going to be good to be anywhere other than the U.S. if you're a U.S. citizen. So find a place." So I did. I bought a tiny home. Uh, I put it on Teresa's mother's property. Her dad had died the year before. Her mother, who was in her 80s, living all by herself. She's pretty spry, pretty independent. But still, she's way out here in the middle of nowhere, living by herself. Teresa wanted to be near. So I bought a tiny house, so I have my own little domain. So I'm still a bit of a minimalist. I mean, I have have a few more things in my backpack now. but (laughs) I I, I live in a 22 foot by eight and a half foot little tiny house. Which is well, technically an RV because it's on wheels.
0: So let me ask you this, Steve, what was the real quickly? What was your relationship with like, Elio? I was going to ask you, what was your relationship like with Horian and Elio and the, and the whole Gracie family? Do they, do you stay in contact with them? And what was your, yeah. it must, it must've been amazing to, to be uh, with Elio that amount of time.
1: Well, he used to come to California. What my little tripod's moving here. Uh, he used to go to the california a lot i i used to go out to the Gracie academy a lot to get my jiu-jitsu training and then i started like a group in philadelphia and i i i wasn't qualified to teach you know i started teaching when i was a, like a blue belt basically a white belt you know but i had coached wrestling i knew how to run a practice and how to teach i had a degree in health and physical education you know i used to t- uh, teach uh, PE in the public school system. I knew how to organize practices and run, and I would just teach what I knew. Basically, share, it, you know, But I didn't call myself a teacher. I was just sharing the information, and we called them practices. But as I came up, you know, through the belts, uh, I I was I started bringing the Gracies to me in Philadelphia, and my uh, ex-wife was a genius for doing seminars. Man, we ran some big seminars. Uh, I had some connections in Atlantic City with the Tropicana. I, I used to get their ballroom and fill it with people for, you know, Horion, Hoyce, uh, later Halston. I worked with all the brothers. And at the Gracie Academy, all the brothers were together, Hoyler, Hickson, Holker, all the guys, and Master Elia. And right about UFC time, uh, Hoyce just shocked the world. This is all pre-UFC, by the way. This is like 89 through 93. Uh, shocked the world with his, you know, uh, by, by winning this UFC. And uh, it exploded in popularity, jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of guys coming from Brazil that their purple belt would mysteriously change to a black belt mid-flight to Miami. And there was a lot of guys coming out of the woodwork, you know, claiming this expertise, you know, to cash in, you know, and uh, so they wanted to uh, arrange to teach people how to teach. They started the instructor training program. And that's where, you know, uh, I got a chance to really uh, meet Elio. And then uh, I went down to Brazil and trained at his school. Uh, Hoyler, Holker, and Elio had a school in Brazil called Umaita. And I went down and trained with Hoyler and the guys uh, down there. And then I got invited to train uh, at Master Elliot's farm. So I visited Elliot twice on his farm. First time uh, in the early 90s. And the second time, I guess it must have been like mid-90s. And I had a chance to stay there and live with him. And, you know, I get a lesson every day really amazing. He was in his 80s and he was still very spry, you know, and very strict diet also. Really good mo- role model for uh, good aging, you know. Uh, the only thing I think you could have really benefited from would be scientific strength training. He was under the impression that strength training was not good for you. You know, it was that old idea that it would make you stiff or tight or, you know, muscle bound or whatever. You know, people, of that era, believe that stuff. But it would have been really good for him to do some form of scientific resistance training. But uh, yeah, he it was quite a uh, treat. And uh, the the main difference between Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and regular Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is their emphasis on self-defense, self-defense. Yeah, they teach it as a whole. In fact, the Bungie brothers just did an awesome podcast on is BJJ a self-defense system? They came to the conclusion that modern BJJ is not. Just like modern judo is not really a self-defense system. Now, in the old days, it was almost like learning, you know, mixed martial arts. We had strikes, headbutts, elbows, knees, kicks, defenses against all those things. We had takedowns, we had throws, we had joint locks and submissions standing. And then there was the whole ground game, but the ground, it wasn't about points, you know? It was all about either finishing the fight or surviving the fight, you know? It's not about beating someone up. It's about just not getting beaten up or killed, you know?
0: And how, and, how, how was it back then? I know they used to have the challenge matches and stuff at the Gracie Academy. How was the, what was the training environment like at the Gracie Academy at that time? Because I'm pretty sure that it was at, at one point, there weren't a lot of people, especially prior to the UFC, there weren't a lot of people doing Gracie Jiu Jitsu. So it was a very close knit group of people. Yeah, you had the people
1: were very curious about it, you know? And we had people come in to my school, Maxis House Philly, wanting to fight us. They had heard about this Gracie Challenge. Basically, Horne and Gracie, in Playboy magazine back in the late 80s and issued a challenge that he was so confident in his family's style of martial art, which he called Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, that he would give $10,000 to anyone that could beat him or any member of his family with the provision that they weren't Jiu-Jitsu trained people, any other martial arts style other than Jiu-Jitsu. And he had a lot of takers, but the original challenge was, we'll take our 10 grand. You bring your 10 grand, we'll put it in one big pot. And then winner takes all. The guys would show up, you know, just wanted to fight. So they would accommodate. And then they started getting tired of it. And then they had us students fight, you know, because, you know, I guess you, you can get hurt. You know, you, you get, I mean, not that they would lose, but I mean, you know, anything can happen you might accidentally get a finger in your eye, you
0: know? Yeah, we, we, had, or, Fabio, we had Fabio Santos on here and he was telling me about the uh, the challenge matches because Fabio is a friend of mine and he was telling me about, you know, the little challenge rooms as you can go to the old Gracie Academy on there. I remember you walk in there and they're right in the right side. It was like this mysterious room. They lock you in there and they have a video camera on the top. And
1: There's tons of <laughs> uh, footage on that. Well, at my school, Max's house, we'd have people coming in want to fight us. And, you know, we'd always say, wait, we're just students. Our name isn't crazy. <laughs> you know, at that time, I was like a purple butt when that started, you know. And uh, it was actually pretty easy, you know. Almost all the fights started the same. But, you know, I have to admit, I had an advantage. I had college wrestling, you know. I, I was an NCAA Division I wrestler, so my takedowns were damn good. So, even though I was in my 40s at the time, but, you know, I knew how to clinch, close the gap, bring the fight to the ground. Bum, 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 the guy would turn over, pfft, choke. Almost every fight was like that. With the exception when other wrestlers would come in. That would be a tough fight, especially a guy who knew, you know, kickboxing or boxing along with his wrestling. That's a tough fight. Uh, we never lost, but some of the fights were, like, really long. You know, I had one actually in front of Hoy's. He was there. And uh, I, I fought this guy, this big uh, uh, NCAA uh, Division Two champion uh, in wrestling. Weighed about 210 pounds to my 158. And, man, I fought this guy for like 45 minutes before I finally caught him in an arm, arm triangle choke. That was a long one, man. That was uh, pretty tough. And how how did judo guys too were really tough
0: how did you now how did your son get so into jiu-jitsu did you train your son yourself and he's he's an amazing he's an amazing fighter as well and jiu-jitsu practitioner i
1: I trained him from when he was a fetus
0: (laughs) yeah basically
1: (laughs) when as soon as he was born i was doing movement therapies and doing stuff like holding them upside down. And when my friends, you know, we were doing a lot of the old Gracie stuff to develop courage and fearlessness. I would throw him to my body and he'd throw me back. Of course my wife was, ah, don't drop my baby. And, uh, you know, we, uh, I, I introduced him to swimming when he was just, uh, an infant. Uh, you know, I was always encouraging him to climb stuff and, you know, just be a boy. And, uh, I had a big teddy bear that I used to uh, train him with and the teddy, you know, it was bigger than him. And the teddy bear would grab him and he would learn to clinch and throw the teddy bear. And I would kind of manipulate the bear like a puppet. And he would sit on there in the mount, and He learned how to do the arm lock and different stuff. This is pre, uh, you know, now they make grappling dummies for kids, but this is before. So I just used this big old teddy bear. Jack <laughs> would beat up this teddy bear. And uh, yeah, by the time he went to kindergarten, uh, I started kids' classes at my school, just mostly for my kids. And I had my daughter Savannah also doing the uh, jiu-jitsu. And uh, yeah, at one point I had like, I don't know, 20 kids, which is not a bad kids' class. You know, it's a pretty good group. Exhausting. <laughs> you know, so, what, teach- so what do you...
0: What do you recommend? So let me ask you this, um, in terms of um, martial arts, you recommend jujitsu and, and in order to stay, in order to practice jujitsu lifelong, I think one of the things I really like about you is you, t- you, you have to you know, really, really invest in the mobility training like you're talking about because over time, jujitsu is hard on your body. Three,
1: so- three, three disciplines, daily mobility, strength training, but not stupid strength training, you know, very scientific. I'm not talking about Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting. I'm not saying they don't work. You know, I'm not bashing those guys. I'm just saying they're not the best way to train for jujitsu, or even for life, for that matter. Unless, you know, if that's what floats your boat, CrossFit, definitely a no-no for jujitsu or longevity. That being said, you know, uh, my daughter is an amazing CrossFit athlete and in the strong winner woman in powerlifting competitions, but that's her sport. But, you know, if she was training for life, longevity, or for BJJ, no, they would not be a, an ideal way to train. And then the third is flexibility. And you gotta stretch. You don't have to be super flexy bendy, but you certainly want to be able to touch your toes. You certainly want to be able to get into a deep squat effortlessly, you know, you want to be able to move through range of motion without pain and so forth. So that that's that's the uh, the three big disciplines for yeah. lifetime. And then be very smart about the way you train in BJJ. You know, as you get older. Now, sometimes if you're a lower-ranked belt, you don't have the choice of partners. But do talk to your teacher. If you're an uh, older blue belt or purple belt, and let the guy, let your instructor know that, hey, you know, I got some joint issues and I prefer not to train with this guy in private. You know, most black belt instructors will be sensitive to that because they don't want to lose you as a student. And tap early and tap often. Don't be afraid to tap to a lower rank belt. This is one of the things that gets people in trouble more than any other single thing. There'll be a blue belt that would rather bleed from the eyeballs. And tap to a white belt, and that's silly.
0: And why, why, you know? why, why is that silly? Can you please articulate that? I think it's a good, good to point this out.
1: Well, it's just an ego thing. Obviously, if a white belt gets you in a compromised position, where you could possibly be, you know, uh, joint lock or whatever, uh, you made a mistake. So acknowledge it. Okay, I screwed up. I shouldn't be here. Okay, let's keep playing. You know, tap tap, no big deal. It's like. If you're uh, playing softball and someone catches the ball on a pop fly, you don't get pissed off. Or, you know, you hit a grounder and they throw you out at first base, are you going to get mad? It's no big deal, you know?
0: I, I love that. I love that advice, Steve. Now, I get to – we have 10 minutes left, and I get to ask you some really good rapid-fire questions here. You ready? Go ahead. Shoot. Okay. Favorite favorite place to train and visit in the world?
1: Oh, man. So many.
0: You get to choose uh, one now.
1: Maybe the one that comes to mind is Austria, man. I loved, you know, the pre-Alps. That was such an awesome place to go visit and train. Uh, the second would be maybe Croatia. First and then what's your, what's le-
0: what's left on your bucket list? And I know you probably have a million things left for you because you've you're so energetic.
1: <laughs> I don't have a bucket list. I've done it all. <laughs> no, oh, that's... no, no. I mean, I, I'm very satisfied with my life. If I were to die today, I'd be happy. I feel like I lived three lives. Yeah. And no, I don't have a bucket list.
0: And then uh, what is your guilty pleasure food-wise?
1: Mm, blue corn chips.
0: And do you uh, have those
1: salsa they're, too? They're, uh, no, but with a little hummus. Uh, <laughs> but they're very, they're very high in selenium. And because the way they I I make sure I get the organic and not fried in uh, canola oil, only in sunflower oil. And they're actually somewhat healthy. Oh, and I also get the uh, low or no salt version.
0: Yes, I'm a big person. I don't really. I'm not a big salt person, but it seems like salts and everybody over salts everything. So it's hard hard to avoid. What are your future goals?
1: I I don't really have any goals. You know, I I would like to live long enough to get my coral belt. That's something. That's a goal. I'm going to stay in jiu-jitsu long enough to get my coral belt. I'm a six-degree black belt. My next belt will be uh, seventh degree which is coral.
0: And then what is your favorite movie? What do you like to do in your free time? That's a better question. Oh, man,
1: my favorite movie. Wow. I don't know. I love movies, so. It could be almost anything, you know. Maybe Gladiator.
0: (laughs) I I love Gladiator. Great movie. And let me ask you, what do you want to be remembered for?
1: Uh, As a person that lives his life fully and passionately and organically, and maybe as a genuine person, you know, someone that, and also as a person that uh, try to help and care for others.
0: And if you are that person, so I, I I think you're just a really good human being. Um, and then what what is the best thing about being a
1: father? Well, parenthood is a really tough thing. I mean, we could have a whole hour of that alone. Uh, I, I tell a lot of these young people, really think hard and long about bringing a new life into this world that we currently live in with all the crap going on. I mean, is it really a place that you want to bring a new human being? Yeah. It's pretty, uh, things, things have been pretty rough. And so you have to really question your motive, bringing a baby in the world because everyone does it, or it's an ego thing, or it's not a good reason, you know? So you got to really think long and hard about that. But yeah. Um, being a father, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't even say I was all that great of a father. <laughs> I got divorced, you know, and pretty much left when my kids were still so, somewhat young, you know. So,
0: but what did you enjoy about it, though? If you I just at- like being around
1: kids. I'm a young guy myself. So uh, I was with Zach through his teenage years, and uh, my daughter around until she was 12. Uh, and... I I just enjoyed hanging out with the kids, man.
0: Yeah. I was like yeah. a
1: big kid myself. I really understood a lot. Man, we had so many so much fun and adventures together and you know, I, I tried to introduce them to as many cool things as possible, you know. That was fun. Showing them all this really neat stuff.
0: And Steve, you're a big kid now too, by the way. You have so much energy. So big kid. <laughs> and, and so what I want to tell you, I just wanna say is um I wanna thank my producer Brian Garcia for doing this for two weeks in a row. And um you know thank you brian i just i want to say thank you to you steve and steve if somebody wants to train with you or take any of your classes or get your videos can you please put out where they can get a hold of you um what's your website and so forth
1: yeah it's ww uh steve maxwell sc.com steve maxwell sc.com
0: and And we and will do you have your video, do you have your videos on your yeah,
1: videos, everything downloads, you know, uh, and they
0: can get hold of you uh, via your email as well. On, through yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a email contact on there and they, they can, they can write, write me. Uh, I get inquiries all the time, you know, for online personal training, I've become quite the zoom master recently. So I do live zoom sessions. Some people work out with me on a regular basis, you know, uh, on zoom. And, so, and
0: what, what about your, your jujitsu training? Are you, tra- are you having any upcoming seminars and how often are you doing the training? Are you just doing this out of your house? Uh,
1: I actually teach out of a small judo club right here in Port Townsend. I do privates, and I teach, uh, two weekly classes of Gracie jujitsu, uh, right in Port Townsend. I have people come in from out of town. Uh, I do have match in my garage also. And I am doing a seminar in Icaria, Greece. That's another one of my all-time favorite places, by the way, in the Aegean. I'm doing a week-long uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu training camp in Ikaria.
0: That's amazing. Well, Steve, thank you so, so much for being here. Oh, that'll here. be in
1: August, by the way. The details in August. are on my website, yeah. It's one of the most fascinating, beautiful Greek islands. Unspoiled. It's not like a party island. Old, old school.
0: So that's on your website. So if anybody's yes. interested in going to Greece this summer, I think it, it would be a great time with, to spend with Steve and get some really, really uh, great advice about uh, fitness and jujitsu and life in general. And thank you so much for being here, Steve, two weeks in you're a very row. You're welcome. You're, you're just what, a great- what, One last cricket. little
1: plug. Anyone mm-hmm. listening out there that would like to host me, uh, they can write. And uh, now that you know all the pandemic things have lifted, uh, yeah i'm re- i'm ready to travel somewhat
0: again so so hit please hit hit please hit steve up like i said he's uh he is a legend and he's a good good he's a good good person so steve thank you so so much thank we're you. gonna have you. i hope you have us uh you'll allow you to uh we would love to have you back on another day because Any, you have a wonderful life <laughs> so thank you so much
1: <laughs> thank you goodbye now
0: take, take care my friend god bless